and thank you for joining us for another episode of the Herbert Smith Freehills Asia Competition Law Podcast Series, Unbundling Competition. My name is Joel Rubin, and I am a competition and regulatory specialist based in the HSF Tokyo office. And with me today is Kyriakos Vendikakos, who is the HSF head of competition for the EMEA region and also the managing partner of our Brussels office. For the last few episodes, uh, which are still available up on the podcast website, we've been discussing various topics related to the screening of investment by Asian companies into Europe, whether that's from a competition or from a, a foreign direct investment or FDI perspective. And in this episode, we will continue that theme by discussing the European Union's regulation on the screening of foreign direct investment, which became fully operational uh, actually only a few weeks ago in late October this year. Uh, Kyriakos, like the UK's new National Security and Investment Bill uh, and the European Commission's white paper on foreign subsidies, uh, both of which we discussed in earlier podcasts in this series, the EU FDI regulation comes in at a time when European regulators are increasingly taking steps to scrutinize a wider range of foreign investment into businesses and assets in Europe. Uh, obviously, COVID plays a role in this, but the regulation that we're talking about today predates the pandemic by quite a bit. Uh, I understand that the European Commission has been considering for several years now, what sort of a role it should be playing in the screening of FDI in Europe. Uh, and actually, the regulation was enacted back in March of 2019, uh, although, as I said, it's only just come into effect recently. Can you maybe walk us through the background uh, and the context of, of the regulation for a few moments? Sure, Joel, and hi, everyone. I think it is important to put it in context and give a bit of background to, to the regulation. So Joel, as you say, the European Commission has not played any role really in screening foreign investment into the EU until now. It has traditionally been seen as an area where discretion should really be left to the EU member states to determine what is in their national interest and how to protect their national security. It is a sensitive, I think, and political area. That is very much unlike the role that the European Commission plays in competition-related matters, merger control, for example, where the European Commission has specific and important powers and its jurisdiction overrides that of national competition authorities. The EU merger regulation, or EUMR for short, which is the legal instrument under which the European Commission carries out merger control review, allows the Commission to vet a transaction depending on whether it leads to a significant impediment to effective competition, so SIEC, as the test is known in the European Economic Area. It is a competition test. So the EUMR does not allow the Commission to take public interest considerations into account as part of its review process. Instead, there is an exception under the EUMR that allows member states to take measures to protect legitimate interests where a transaction is subject to review by the European Commission. Legitimate interests in this context basically means things like national security, or media plurality, and they are specified, some of them are specified in the EUMR itself. 
So, for example, this allows member states to have FDI review process in parallel with the EU merger review process and for the member states to prohibit a transaction on national security grounds, even when the Commission has cleared it on competition grounds. There have for years been FDI screening regimes in some of the member states of the EU, like France and Germany. However, not all member states have such regimes, and there was a lack of a uniform approach across the regimes that did exist. The direct impetus for an EU-wide uh, framework came in 2016, following a series of high-profile acquisitions of European companies by foreign state-owned enterprises. So what happened is the French, German and Italian governments at the time wrote an open letter to the then Trade Commissioner of the EU, noting concern about a lack of reciprocity with countries that were investing heavily in critical industries in Europe, but were at the same time restricting investment into their own critical industries. So FDI was tied to trade in this context and seen as something that needed to be addressed at an EU level. Ultimately, however, the European Commission decided against introducing direct powers at EU level to screen foreign investment. Instead, I think what we got, uh, the approach that it has taken in the end, uh, is to enact an EU-wide screening network, a cooperation framework, if you want, that links together all of the member states' national screening regimes. Right. So under the, the regulation, the power to vet FDI will remain with national governments, as it has up until now. Uh, and it will the, the vetting itself will take place under whatever FDI screening networks uh, or screening mechanisms exist in, in those member states. So what this means is that it's not necessary to notify foreign investment at EU level in the same way that parties would notify a transaction for competition law purposes under the EUMR, for example. Uh, so instead, the regulation creates, as you say, a sort of a collaborative network uh, which requires EU member states to inform the Commission and inform other member states whenever they review a transaction under their domestic FDI rules. Uh, and what they then need to do is allow the Commission and other member states to provide comments and opinions on, on the transaction that's under review. Um, and as I understand it, the, the comments and opinions won't be binding on member states. So they will remain free to decide on the basis of whatever they consider to be in, in the national interest. Uh, however, the regulation does require them to pay due consideration. Uh, and this is particularly so where an investment will impact on a, on a so-called union interest. So this would be something like uh, trans-European energy networks or European defense, for example. Uh, and in this case, the regulation says that member states need to take utmost account of the Commission's opinion. So in other words, there needs to be a really compelling reason uh, not, not to reflect the Commission's opinion in, in the final decision. Uh, so I guess based on that, while the European Commission still won't play a leading role in scrutinizing or vetting FDI in the EU, uh, it's likely to become much more influential through this, this framework. I suppose that does leave a potential gap, though, Kyriakos, because 
the regulation doesn't actually require member states to introduce FDI screening mechanisms. So if there was foreign investment into a sensitive sector in a jurisdiction like Ireland, for example, um, Ireland currently doesn't have a comprehensive FDI regime, then the Commission wouldn't have the opportunity to review or, or comment on that investment in the first place, uh, unless it was also being reviewed somewhere else in the EU, I suppose. Yes, that, that's right, uh, Joel. There is no requirement for member states to adopt their own FDI regimes, even though the new regulation creates that framework for cooperation and allows comments to be made even when a state is not actually reviewing uh, a, a direct investment. And I should also add that the European Commission has strongly encouraged all member states to actually implement FDI regimes, particularly as a result of the economic impact of COVID-19. The Commission is concerned that European companies that are struggling financially will become easy prey to overseas acquirers and particularly state-backed acquirers that have access to a lot of funding. So we're seeing a lot of member states looking at significantly expanding their FDI regimes or introducing such regimes for the first time, including Ireland, which you just mentioned. Another point to make here is that the regulation does not require harmonization of regimes among member states. So there is potentially still scope for quite a bit of divergence in terms of exactly what sectors are subject to notification or what levels of investment can trigger uh, a notification. However, the regulation does require member states to adopt a minimum set of requirements for their existing regimes or when establishing a new regime. So first of all, the regulation sets out a non-exhaustive list of factors to take into account in determining whether a transaction affects security and public order. And these factors include things like, does the transaction involve critical infrastructure in sectors such as energy, transport, health, communications and defence? Do any critical technologies come into play like artificial intelligence, semiconductors and nuclear technologies? And special attention needs also to be paid uh, if uh, foreign direct investment concerns the supply of critical inputs, access to and the ability to control sensitive information, including very importantly, personal data, and also freedom and pluralism of the media. Additionally, member states should also consider whether the investor is controlled directly or indirectly by the government of a third country. The investor has previously been involved in activities affecting the security or public order of a member state and whether the investor should be considered at serious risk of engaging in illegal activities. The regulation also seeks to achieve a certain degree of legal certainty and transparency as to how these FDI rules will be applied by member states. So member states are required to be transparent as to under what circumstances an FDI would trigger a review and if a review is triggered, what procedures to be followed. 
There is also a reporting obligation on the member states to notify details of their existing screening mechanisms and any amendments to the Commission. So that for the first time, the European Commission will know exactly what FDI regimes exist uh, across the European Union. Finally, member states will also need to report on the application of the screening regimes on an annual basis, including what transactions have been reviewed, any prohibitions or conditions that have been imposed, and the value and origin of the investment. This will enable the Commission to compile and publish an annual report setting out the implementation by the member states. Okay, so so at the front end, uh, which is to say where companies uh, are notifying foreign investment, it sounds like not a lot changes directly as a result of, of the regulation. So companies that are looking to invest in sensitive sectors in the EU will continue to notify with the national regulators as they always have done. Um, and the, the big EU law changes appear to be at the back, e back end where, where the regulators are carrying out their review. Um, but, but what about sort of follow-on impact uh, on, on domestic laws? Is, is there likely to be an impact for companies and for Asian companies in particular that are investing in the EU? What, what sort of things should they be bearing in mind? Yes, that's a good point, Joel. Good question. And we should not underestimate that regime because it's just a framework for cooperation. I think there will be an impact in, in a few different ways and an impact on Asian companies in particular, as you said. First of all, as I mentioned, several member states are looking for the first time, possibly because of this um, FDI regulation, at introducing FDI regimes where they did not exist before. So even member states that have existing regimes are making this stricter, for example, lowering the thresholds for filing or expanding the sectors for which filings are required. And that's both temporarily in response to the COVID-19 um, situation, but also on a more permanent basis. So I think a lot more transactions are going to need to be notified across Europe going forward. Also, as I mentioned, the, the rules will differ from member state to, to member state. Different levels of investment will trigger filings in different member states. In, in some countries right now, it can be as low as an acquisition of 10% of the shares in a company, which is quite low. And similarly, certain sectors such as insurance are regarded as sensitive and subject to notification in some member states, but not in others. So there are differences. I think what all of this means is that it is very important for companies to look carefully at what the applicable rules are across the European Union, so country by country, and taking that EU FDI regulation into account when they're investing in the EU. And also to really think about whether there are any changes on the horizon, uh, particularly when setting conditions precedent in their transaction agreements. The consequences of getting it wrong are potentially quite significant, not just from a deal perspective. In Germany now, for example, there are criminal sanctions against gun jumping for any type of transaction that is subject to a mandatory notification. So you really cannot get it wrong. Review processes are also likely to become a little bit more burdensome, I think, in my view. There is, for example, a requirement uh, in the regulation that member states provide 
adequate time for the European Commission and other member states in the network to comment on transactions, which means that reviews in some member states may start to take longer than they have in the past. If the European Commission takes an interest in a transaction, then it may also mean needing to provide additional information to, to regulators. Lastly, there may be less certainty, I think, as to when transactions will be reviewed. The regulation enables the member states and the Commission to comment on FDI taking place in another member state, even if that member state chooses not to screen the FDI in question or cannot screen the FDI in question, and to do so even up to 15 months after completion. So the fact that a member state regulator initially chooses not to review a transaction will not necessarily be the end of the story. So again, I think all of these possibilities need to be factored into deal planning now. And when there is the possibility of sensitivity around an investment, it is really recommended right now to engage, uh, think about it first of all, and then if needed, engage in proactive discussions with regulators sooner rather than later. Having said all of that, I mean, we shouldn't be too alarmist. I think these FDI rules are not likely to bite in the vast majority of cases. The Commission and Member State governments have repeatedly emphasized that they remain open to business and they encourage investment. Thank you, Kyriakos. These are some very helpful insights, I think, for Asian businesses uh, trying to navigate the, the, the new process. This concludes our podcast for today. Uh, so thank you very much also for everybody list, who was listening. Uh, if you haven't already subscribed to our podcast mailing list to find out when new episodes are posted, you can do so on the Unbundling Competition webpage. Uh, and you can also subscribe on your favorite podcast platform uh, like Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Uh, so thank you again, and we look forward to you joining us in future episodes.